0: Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, brought to you by Mattress Direct, your local sleep specialist. Each week, we take you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexis Zotos with KMOV. This episode is all about beer and science. It's been more than a decade since Derek Langenecker graduated with a degree in biochemistry and molecular biology and eventually took that knowledge not to a hospital like he intended, but instead to a brewery. He got experience working at Square One Brewery in Lafayette Square before deciding to venture out on his own and start his own brewery. Alpha Brewery was born in the spring of 2013, and while it's been 10 years, Derek says they really feel like it's just been a few years since they really got in their groove. That's when they opened their larger space in Tower Grove South. Now they're preparing for what comes next, including more beers and expanding into the world of distilling. So join me for a little science lesson along with a bit of beer history, and let's meet Derek. Get the best price on brand name mattresses at Mattress Direct. You'll get the guaranteed lowest price and the non-commissioned sleep specialists will make sure you get the right mattress for the way
1: you get to sleep. You'll sleep better knowing you got the best price on the right mattress when you shop local at St. Louis Mattress Direct.
0: Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Certainly. Happy 10 years. How does that feel? A decade in business?
1: Feels great. Feels like we made it.
0: (laughs) Did you... (laughs) I guess what have been the sort of the emotions leading up to 10 years? 10 years in any business is, is huge. 10 years in the beer business, also a pretty big thing.
2: I
1: mean, it feels like we're a lot younger company than that, honestly. Hmm. So, you know, we opened up downtown on Washington Avenue in 2013. Uh, we followed the four darling breweries in town, Four Hands, Urban Chestnut, Perennial, and Civil Life. They all opened in 11. Mm -hmm. Um, We were one of the first breweries to follow them right out of the gates. Uh, which they followed like Schlafly which was 92 and O'Fallon square one was 2005 I think Mm -hmm. you know so there's been a big gap between them Um, you know but we were in a 2200 square foot space on the backside of a building next to City Museum our brew house was only 75 gallons wow Uh, it was tiny Uh, (laughs) you know we had seating for like 35 people we didn't have any food and we were there for five years so we had like no meaningful way of distributing our beer, packaging it. Really, I mean, you know, we tried to do some 750 bottles, but it just wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Uh, but we moved here in, uh, to this location in Tower Grove South. We bought the building in 2017. We moved into it a year and a day later. So complete gut rehab. Um, right, because what a year, was this before? <laughs> it was a rake and shovel factory.
0: A rake and shovel factory. Okay, yeah. gotcha.
1: So, like, everything had to be redone. All the floors were re-poured, new roofs on everything. We had to reskin uh, three buildings to get it put together, new wow. water services, new sewers, new HVAC systems. Uh, the facility had four, four electric drops into it, and we had to combine those into one.
0: Because electric is important. Yeah, you know, yeah, you need some you power. <laughs> you need a little power, you right? Know,
1: so it's just like a whole thing, a whole thing, and we moved in here. Um, we didn't even get our can line up and running until March of two thousand twenty-one. So two years ago,
0: yeah.
1: right around now. So that's when I really think, like, that's when we actually started doing. Is that sort of something. like when you
0: sort now? So do you only think you're a couple of years? Yeah, old yeah, then? we're like
1: two years old now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i want to take it all the way back yeah yeah even before 10 years ago uh-huh. uh when did you start getting into beer
1: i don't really see that's a funny story so i think oh i think there's this idea that like you sit around drinking beers all day or something. I kind of just fell into this industry. Hmm. Um, I was
0: yeah, because you, you had a very <laughs> different college major, right?
1: Uh, biochemistry cell and molecular biology was my undergrad.
0: What did you think you wanted to do with that? I wanted to be a doctor. You wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I got reasonable grades, but then towards the end of my co- you know my undergrad, uh, I had a buddy who was going to law school, and I was mm-hmm. like, dude, I could go to law school. <laughs> so I I took the LSAT. I got into SLU Law, and then I. 2008 I graduated in 2009 so like you know that May right after mm-hmm. you know Obama was inaugurated in like January the financial industry collapsed everything was Not a really a super messed great time up. <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna take on 180 grand in debt that's stupid I'll take on more later so instead I just did a gap year I went to Korea to teach English oh yeah that's cool and when I was there I enrolled in Webster's MBA program thinking, well, undergrad in science, MBA, I could like work for Monsanto, be a project director Mm because I I can like know the numbers, but also like know the science. Understand the science, right? Right, Right. so I can advocate for my team because I know something. logical, those are all
0: logical thoughts. (laughs) So you go to Webster. Right,
1: dropped out because I didn't want to do my capstone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so, and then what? Then were you like, what the heck now?
1: Well, then my girlfriend at the time is yelling at me all the time. She's my wife now. (laughs) You need to do something, do something. So I went to UMSL, um, got into the Master's of Science program, thinking same thing. I'll just go to Monsanto, their big company. I'll do all right, Um, being a mid-level manager somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was extra lazy. My my wife's a gunner. She was the one sitting in the front. She went to law school actually, Mm. and that was part of my thought. Like, she goes to law school. I go to law school she's going to be in all my classes and she sits in the front row and she reads and I'm not going to
0: just, <laughs> I'm going to sit you in the just back send some yeah yeah would, would well no she'd there. be mad
1: because I'd do all right <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know so I was like no way we have to do different stuff so I was doing the biology program but she's still type a like sitting in the front row reading too much and she had a job her one l year at a law firm which mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do mm. you're supposed to focus on your schoolwork.
0: Oh, okay but gotcha. she's
1: she's bored and she has to do extra so she sounds
0: like me that's, that's how i'm too, doing too much is my middle name essentially but she's like at
1: home yelling at me i'm i'm working two jobs and this and that and the other thing and i'm like you shouldn't be like my argument was you shouldn't be so you mm-hmm. can't make me <laughs> so she made me go get a job and i was like i'll get the laziest job i can think of i'll be a bartender okay sounds great i like drinking drinking's fun There you go. Right?
0: You took work. There you go. And so where where (laughs) did you end up?
1: I ended up at square one, and I went in looking for a job. And the manager at the time was like, hey, we're not really hiring for bartenders, but we are hiring for an assistant brewer, and it looks like you have some science background. Turns out the head brewer at square one, who's still there, his name Mm -hmm. is Dr. John Woody. He's Mm -hmm. a vet by training, uh, so very science-oriented, was like, hey, last couple guys didn't work out because they couldn't understand what pH was. I think you got that concept down. And I was like, cool. So they... Yeah, I went hired in a couple you? days later. They hired me up.
0: And, and I, how did it go? It did you like great. it? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was fun. Brewing is just applied science. Mm. It's nothing more than that. It's not overly complicated. I mean, if you can make bread, you can make beer. It's that simple. I mean, the first brewers were women making beer. Those mm-hmm. those witches in Macbeth, mm, uh, yes. they were making beer and they weren't doing... They're right. making magical potions, right? <laughs> Which is beer is a
0: great magical potion, <laughs> Makes right? Makes
1: you feel magical. <laughs> exactly.
0: So you you kind of you you found a way to to include that science background into into a job. Absolutely. Was there a moment that you realized, hold up, I really like this. This could be a career path.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I worked at Square One for like a year and a half, and you know, I I opened we we opened and when I, we opened this place in April of. 2013 i Mm -hmm. was 26. so i guess i started there when i was 24 or something like that Mm -hmm. you know worked there for a while like a year and a half about and i guess the summer before which would be what 2012 that Mm -hmm. summer it was like all right i think i can do this and then i worked all that fall building up a business plan um got a group of partners together and we opened up that place downtown like got equipment got the lease sign how you know, did you
0: all that stuff. was what was the most challenging part of that was it was a tough to source equipment at that time i mean now <laughs> we've got a lot more breweries sure. there's a lot more knowledge out there was it tough to to sort of find a space find equipment or not um, so much
1: it's kind of funny i mean i i i think a. I think we kind of entered the brewing space like midstream. Like mm-hmm. there was some opening, but they had a lot of backing behind them. You know, Four Hands, Urban Chestnut, like the Urban Chestnut guy. It's a, the research brewer guy and the marketing director guy. Yeah. Like they came into it with a lot of money. I came into it with no experience. Well, like minute amount of experience um, and almost no money. So I think just our, our projects were different. So the brew house we ended up getting was one that was designed for like a pilot system. Mm, okay. For like a larger brewery, they would buy this pilot system. You do a pilot batch on it. If it was good, then you'd brew it on your big batch. Right. We just didn't have the big thing.
0: Yours was just the small batch. Right. <laughs> what was the first beer that you guys put out?
1: Uh, we put out an oatmeal style it was the first beer we brewed. Someone told me that should be our first beer. That was good luck. And so that's what we did. <laughs>
0: Do you feel like it was good luck?
1: We still have it on tap. There you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What did that first year in business look like for you?
1: Uh, So everyone always, so to to your question, you're like, what was the hardest part? Finding Mm -hmm. equipment? No, I mean, we just found something. Like... I think the thing is you have to make a decision and then move past it. Mm. You can't like second guess every little thing. We could have gotten different equipment or better or worse or more expensive or less expensive. I don't know. because <laughs> just kind of went with it. After we found the one we, I wanted, it was like that's the one and I quit looking because okay. that's what we were doing. The hardest thing about running a business, and I think every business person will tell you this, no matter what industry, is finding the right staff. Yeah. and staffing the place properly being able to pay them well mm-hmm. um i think there's that old axiom you you train them well enough so they can leave you and you pay them well enough so they stay mm. and that's always a challenge because well you have to have money come from somewhere sure. right so you know we also have a saying around here that i did not invent someone else invented but rising tides lift all boats mm-hmm. so you know as the company does better everyone else does better there's more money to go around to either hire new staff and take stuff off your plate or right. or to pay you more to work longer hours or whatever you want to do. But finding the right staff has always been a challenge. I remember like a week before we were opening and someone was like, hey, so you got bartenders lined up? And I was like, oh, my God.
0: Ah, right. That <laughs> thing. No, I don't. I
1: don't. Oh my God, I don't know anyone. Yeah. We're, we're going to be open seven days a week from like <laughs> noon to midnight or something.
0: Ah. <laughs> That and so nuts. what'd you do? You found them though?
1: Uh, I, this was before Indeed and before LinkedIn. It was on like oh, Craigslist, like asking my neighbors, can you work the bar? And they're like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> I'll come down there and drink with you though. <laughs> like, dang, oh crap. I forgot this was going to be tough.
0: <laughs> was there ever a moment in that sort of first year where you're like, what was I thinking?
1: I mean, it was overwhelming. Yeah. It truly was like, I... I would go in the morning and brew beer or do whatever sort of regulatory thing or something like that clean kegs, etc um and then i'd go in and i'd stay there until like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night and you know she was still my girlfriend then (laughs) she was always mad at me always (laughs) mad yeah it was a tough year. Did you think, maybe really I tough. should
0: have gone to law school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe. I mean, she was still in law school, so she was like studying and, you so know. You,
0: you could see both sides, but yeah. we're not maybe, there wasn't really an easier she, route. I mean, she
1: was studying for the bar that summer. So, you know, I'm like, let's party. And she's like, no, <laughs>
0: not so don't much. come home
1: at one in the morning.
0: <laughs> so after kind of getting that year under your belt.
1: I'd say like the first three years. The first three years. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's good honesty. Cause I, I feel like one of the things we love to do on this podcast is really kind of like let those entrepreneurs out there know the reality of, of opening a business, whether it's a brewery, whether it's a, a, a small shop, we love to hear sort of those, the real life stories of, of what it takes to, to make it to 10 years in a business. Sure. Um, what was the beer scene like 10 years ago and how did you guys feel you were adding to it? What did you wanna do differently that was already sort of on scene?
1: Oh, that's a good question so i was always interested in like this yeast culturing stuff that we that we still do um like barrel aging projects have always been something that entertain me although mm-hmm. the brewing industry has kind of moved away from a lot of barrel heavy stuff these days yeah i think it's kind of worn itself out maybe but what were we gonna add so um you know i was looking for some interesting something interesting something different uh one of my favorite breweries we visited is called russian river mm-hmm. it's in california they do a bunch of fruit beers sour beers uh different things like that most of our beers here have some sort of fruit in them even the non-sours so one of our biggest sellers is called divine intervention it's a collaboration with a local uh band called jesus christ supercar mm-hmm. uh their logos the, the cover of it it's a blood orange blonde yeah. uh, just fantastic one of our summer seasonals is called swingle it's a lime blonde and our ipa is a tangerine ipa yeah. yes. and along with that we have a myriad of sour beers that have every fruit we did we've done dragon fruit or papaya pineapple mango i mean does it (laughs) get
0: complicated when you're introducing fruit into a beer or how does that play into the beer making process no
1: i don't think so um you just kind of well you taste it i mean you know if you work at a bar and you're making cocktails you just kind of taste it and if it needs more Mm -hmm. it's it's just like cooking you know you need the right amount of acid you need the right amount of bitter Uh, You need the right carb level on it, and you right around sweetness, and you can control all those things when you're brewing a beer. If you want it to be sweeter, you change something with the malt. If you need more acid, you change the yeast, maybe, or the carb level, Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of funny. When carbon dioxide goes into beer, it binds with water and forms carbonic acid which is why it tastes sharp on your tongue Hmm. so if you want your beer to be a little sharper you just carbonate a little more Hmm. so like stouts are less carb because you don't want that sharpness right so that's That's not really the vibe you're going for right right um also just every fruit on the planet is in the rose family and they all have citric acid they Hmm. all produce citric acid in them so
0: how much does that yeah. science background <laughs> help with, with I, what you're doing? I think
1: it's just useless facts, honestly.
0: <laughs> it makes it sound like you really know what you're doing, right? <laughs> um, and so when you you started with the Oatmeal Stout, you obviously had this, this interest in doing fruits. Were there beers that you really loved to make that you thought would do really well, and then all of a sudden were like, nobody was really into them? Or on the flip side, was there one that you did like this could be weird, no one's gonna like this, and it turned into a big hit.
1: Uh, man, I wish we had like five beers in me, I could think of all of them.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so we just put out this new line, uh, it's, we're calling it a beer spritz. Okay. It's um, a sour beer, so most of our sour beers are 8%, we mm-hmm. wanted to put out something lighter, so these are all in the 4% range. I was highly opposed to this project, Simply because I, I uh I didn't like the flavor profiles mm. and <laughs> sales guys are like, No, idiot, you put these out, please, 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 please. We did. And the first one that came out sold out in the first week, which is a big big deal for us. Yeah. It usually doesn't happen.
0: Now, do you attribute that to the fact that people are really looking for more lower A B V. Na kind of products are mm. you seeing that in your brewery as well obviously if it's mm.
1: i mean we do sell a fair amount of uh well-being it's a local brand mm-hmm. that uh, uh they actually brew a normal beer and then remove the alcohol from it through a distillation process so we do sell a fair amount of those usually it's to pregnant people yep. or uh <laughs> people uh trying to do sober january or sober right. mondays or whatever not i don't see a bunch of guys just coming in and sitting around yucking it up drinking na beers mm-hmm. Uh, But so on your low ABV thing, I think people I think at least what I see from my friends, people like to pretend that they're drinking less. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, I only had uh, just a couple of those low. No, you had nine. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you. So I think, you know, when you're drinking the high alcohol stuff, if you're drinking a big Russian imperial stout, that's 16%. Sure. You and a friend sit down, you crack open that bottle, you split it, you're good. Right. You're good. Right. But when you're sitting around all day drinking these 4% things, it's like you just one to the next sure. to the next, which might be better for us because they buy more. Right. I don't there know. There you
0: go. Maybe this, <laughs> there's, there's for the, the marketing maybe, sales. Maybe I folks. shouldn't
1: say this out loud because people <laughs> didn't start counting their drinks and stuff. <laughs>
0: But it is interesting because we are, I feel like, seeing that shift sort of, I think, away from some of those bigger, heavier, I think so. high percent beers. Yeah. Um, and whether that's because people are you know, being more conscious of how much they're drinking, they're pregnant, they're doing sober January, or because they just want to try more beers and you can sure. try more if you're drinking a lower ABV. One. I
1: think there's just a lot of more. So, you know, when we opened, there was no hard seltzers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no like these weed drink things that are out now all over the place. Um, we actually have a private label that we do a, a CBD seltzer for another oh, really? company. Oh, cool. Yeah, and that those those kind of things. I don't know if they're taking away a whole lot mm. from beer in general. Craft beer continues to grow, according to the Brewers Association. We keep cutting into the numbers of big big breweries like Anheuser Busch, mm-hmm. uh, which you can really tell in their marketing departments they're freaking out. Which is why every new every other week you see another flavor Bud Light seltzer, right. Or Truly or White Claw or whatever coming out. Then I mean, just Truly's and like believe me when we go shopping my cart is full of alcohol that i don't make because we have to taste everything there is to come up with the next to like at least chase what someone else is doing
2: interesting so you
1: know like when truly came out um their biggest selling flavor was mango so Mm -hmm. that was our first flavor of our hard seltzer brand called it was called easy peasy then some dickhead burry in texas sued us over the name so we had to change it to pretty pleasy okay okay um yeah so we so did, you guys
0: dived into the seltzer, right, right. the hard seltzer world. Yep, yep. Was that something you ever thought you would do? No,
1: no. I was staunchly opposed to it until someone convinced me we could make a lot of money. And I'm like, no. Okay, fine. We'll try it. And we did. Now we have 12 flavors. We have a mixed 12-pack. Wow. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's quite the fashionable product, I think. So in, in the beer industry, there's a saying called Rotation Nation, where mm. people want a brand new beer every day, all the time. Every time my sales guys walk into a store... It's, what do you have that's new? Even though they're just there on Monday. And they gave them a new thing. With the seltzers, it's even worse, I think. Really? It's it's new, new, new.
0: Is that stressful (laughs) as a brewery when you're just probably trying to, like, we want to make sure that what we do have is great. Sure.
1: Well, uh, you know, I mean. How do you balance that? Is everything you get in those uh, boxes from those other guys great? (laughs) I mean, I think that's why they put out so much, Mm. if you know what I mean. I mean, just thinking of the Truly brands, like, they did these – Oh, they did the berry ones. They did the seaside. I mean, there's like a new four-pack
0: that and has I'm a not different brand I'm like a big seltzer person, so like I don't even know. But I do. I can picture like the Bud Light seltzer packs of last summer there being like... They did the lemonade ones. And there was like a tie-dye one. <laughs> like, I don't even know what the tie-dye was.
2: But
1: it's <laughs> endless, right? So, you know, I mean, we're, so we're trying to make something good. But the bummer is when you try and make it good, mm-hmm. then you got to do a bunch of taste testing. You got to order flavors. You got to, you know taste test at the bar with a bunch of people, which I'm sure they do, but they have panels that sit around all day trying stuff. They're a
0: little bit on a bigger scale. Right, (laughs) right.
1: They have a little bit more budget on that sort of stuff. You know, so, I mean, it's tough for us to chase chase those things. Mm -hmm. So I think what we've just opted for is, hey, we're going to pick 12 flavors. These are 12. We'll put them out seasonally somewhat. They taste good. Mm -hmm. People like them.
0: How often are you kind of creating new beers in your mind? What's kind of your... uh, recipe and development uh, kind of process? Sure.
1: I, I think we generally come out with a new beer every three weeks. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's a
2: lot. Um,
1: like, whether it's new, 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 or new seasonal mm-hmm. new. So we have eight beers that we produce year-round, a mm-hmm. stout, a brown ale, uh, that Blood Orange Blonde, the Tangerine IPA, uh, a Belgian-style blonde ale. Oh, and two barrel-aged sours. One's called Delphian. It's one of the first ones we put out. Mm-hmm. It's a Chardonnay barrel-aged blonde and then one called apocrypha it's a uh, sour black ale aged in war barrels and those are basically our year round year round collect there mm-hmm. we have a series called the funk series mm-hmm. All the beers that are in that series are brewed with a sour strain of yeast that I cultured out of some rose wine barrels back in 2014. Wow! And they all have fruit in them.
0: And for people who are listening, who're like, I don't know what that means. Tell, explain a little bit about what that means. You've got this strain. This, what does that mean, and what does that do to a
1: beer? Sure, sure. Well, I can give you a brief history of yes. yeast if you'd like to hear it. but <laughs> well, we have the time. Give us,
0: little, <laughs> give us a little background for someone who's drinking a beer who like maybe wants to understand a little bit more about like why does this taste the way it does, or why sure. is this called funk? like give us a little background on that
1: sure so you know when the craft beer industry came to the united states like in the earlier mid 80s or whatnot you know the the first one of the first big craft breweries was sierra nevada Mm -hmm. and you know before that time um most of the breweries in the united states were actually producing english style ales and you know if you look at europe a map of europe you can see where the beers are based on the mountain ranges and uh, which is particular to where the yeast is Mm. Are yeasts are. Um, <laughs> so in England, England has a very particular English style yeast. Mm-hmm. It's kind of bready, biscuity. Um, it really works well with the water there. The water has certain salts in it that make that yeast taste good. Mm-hmm. If you don't do that to the salts in the United States, your beer tastes weird. Mm. So it makes it complicated to use that yeast here. Um, then in like Belgium, Northern Germany, there's like uh, like a wheat beer Belgian strain that kind of tastes banana y or clove depending on the fermentation temperature. And then Southern Germany has more of these lager type strains. That We all know how those taste.
2: Right. Um, So
1: in the United States, you know, but yeast is just everywhere. It's in the air. When you brew beer in the old days, you just put open barrels of beer in the rafters of your barn, and Mm. they would start fermenting because the yeast would just blow in from the field. Like if your brewery's next to an apple orchard, you get yeast from apples blowing into your thing. Um, Funny story, since we're talking about plants in the rose family. Mm -hmm. So all plants, like, secrete little sugars on the outside of their which attracts certain types of yeast. Most of the smells of fruits come from the odors produced by the yeast that grows on them and not huh. actually from the fruit, the plant, right? Like, oh, interesting. Right. Hmm. Oh, evolution at its finest.
0: Wow.
2: So, so in
1: 1988 Sierra Nevada said, Hey, we're done with this stupid English strains. They don't work here anyways. Our beer tastes terrible. We need to culture our own strain from Sierra Nevada mountains out here in Chico, California. So they had one of their lab technicians walk around with a Petri dish, wave it around in the air, and uh, close it up, come back the next morning, and there's a couple colonies growing on it. They look like just little white pinheads. Uh Um, There could be some molds on there. There could be some weird bacteria or whatever. Yeast is very, you can tell if you've ever done it. That's a yeast. Hmm. You pluck it off of the toothpick. You put it on another plate and kind of streak it out on the plate, and then that kind of isolates it from the nasty stuff off the first plate. And then you can pick a colony from there and grow it up into like a five-gallon batch, say. Huh. And then you just taste it. And if it tastes good, then that's the good one. And if it tastes bad, then you throw that one away and start again.
0: Wow. And then that is then used yep. to make beer.
1: Yep. And they isolate the Chico strain and it's used in like everywhere in the entire United States. Wow.
0: That's yeah. so interesting. I don't think I fully understood that history <laughs> or under even like, yeah, yeast. Okay. But like, what is it? like? I mean, I- you just
1: isolate it. I mean, you know, you've heard of like these, uh, you know, some some guy in 1907 came over with a sourdough mother from somewhere, Right, and right. then they kept that thing going. I mean, <laughs> just keep adding sugar to it, it'll keep, sure. keep growing.
0: And that, so that you were talking about the one that you sort of cultivated, yeah. Um, and that did what to your beer? Like, what did that help you guys kind of create when you were looking for something?
1: Right. Unique? So the particular strain that we cultivated out of it, it's got a couple components to it. Um, it's a lactic acid-producing strain, so. Mm-hmm um it produces lactic acid mm-hmm. that's what that means
0: <laughs> and that and, and in a beer world that means what
1: right it makes it sour mm-hmm. right right so um there's also britannomyces strain that we use britannomyces tends to uh do a couple things to beer. produces a bunch of phenolic compounds uh sometimes you know if you're like a wine snob they would be described as like horse sweat leather barnyard mm. right it doesn't sound <laughs> that good but it but in reality, right. well, it is. You, you look like, at you look at the wine wheel, and there's like tar, petrol. Like there's right. But These are you,
0: things like you're like, wait, do <laughs> I want to be tasting that? Well, do I want barnyard? <laughs> I mean, if you
1: taste a good scotch, though, it should taste a little petrol, right? Because mm-hmm. it's got like that cold diesel, right? But that's a good scotch. Right. So you know.
0: it is kind of funny when you like think about those sort of like taste profiles or scent profiles, and you're like. Do I want to be having something that's like, yes, I'm giving, giving barnyard here? <laughs>
1: well, we just all <laughs> had a agree on a word to describe that smell.
0: Right, exactly. And that's
1: like, oh, it smells like diesel exhaust. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what excites you most still about when you think to the next 10 years? You just hit the 10-year mark. Sure. When you think ahead to the next 10 years, what excites you most?
1: I mean, I've seen our wholesale grow a lot since mm. we got our can line installed. Like, I'm really excited. I think this year is like the year. Like the year will the year make what? It. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's been a rough couple of years. Sure. Pandemic was really fun, yeah. running a restaurant. Uh, the next year, I mean, it just never went away. Like this right. year might be the first year in several years where but we get feel like back good. to normal. And I've seen our sales, and our sales are back to normal. You know, when we first put in that can line, um, our wholesale sales was only sixty-five barrels that year, mm, which mm-hmm. is really low.
0: And what is it now?
1: Uh, so. Uh, 65 barrels in 2020 and then in 2021 it was 187 wow. and then last year it was 311 which these are all numbers are tiny in comparison to other places mm-hmm. um, we've never hit the thousand barrel mark in in total sales mm-hmm. our bar always does about 500 barrels a year okay so we're hoping to hit the thousand barrel mark this year which would be a big accomplishment like in comparison, last year Four Hands did 28,000 barrels.
0: Okay. So in the thousand
1: barrels? It, like, <laughs> Yeah, 4% of what they did. Do.
0: <laughs> do you hope to grow that large? No. Or do you like that aspect of being one of our, and we have so many great small breweries. You guys have really found sort of a, a place here in the Tower Grove South neighborhood. Sure. Uh, What's that hope for you in terms of growth, but not growing too much? How, how do you balance those hopes sure. and dreams? Well, I mean,
1: <laughs> uh, it, it's just kind of, uh, uh a margin versus, um, hmm, I wouldn't say quality, but there's a certain point where you're producing, you either have to do a thousand or 2000 barrels, or you have to do 30,000 barrels. Mm. If you're doing 8,000 barrels, if you're in the middle, then it costs you a lot to make that, but the margin on them just isn't there to, to make it worth it. So, you know, larger breweries are with a distributor. They take 30% right off the top to even put you on their truck. So you have to factor that into whatever you do. So you guys self-distributing? Right. Right. So we are self-distributing. We have three sales guys and a delivery guy and we deliver three or four days a week. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the niches that we can fit into being our size is that new account, they want beer tomorrow morning. Cool, it'll Boom. be there because the right, right, exactly. <laughs> and we don't have to call another guy, and the other guy says we only deliver there on Thursdays or whatever. And then you know, it it helps us cultivate better relationships with our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, as you grow, so so to answer your question, I think where I'd really want to be is between um, twelve fifty and seventeen hundred and fifty barrels. I think would be perfect for us. It would it would have us at a comfortable revenue level without having just endless employees. Mm-hmm. I mean. I'm managing a team of like 15 right now. I couldn't imagine managing a team of 45. Right.
0: Or finding 45. Right. Well, I know. Yeah. (laughs) That's tough too. (laughs) Sorry. Just knock it all. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, and so you guys, how much did having a space like this, having food added to the menu, help in sort of that community aspect sure. that you guys were seeking out?
1: I mean, that's part of, that was part of the problem of finding a place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew like after the first year downtown that we were going to outgrow that space right away. We couldn't make enough beer to even feed our own bar. Mm-hmm. We only had 10 taps there. We were routinely running on five or six just because we couldn't make it. Um, so when we were started the search for another property, you know, it needed a lot of things. Number one, I want to be in the middle of a neighborhood mm-hmm. because you know brewery's always been the neighborhood place to go. Um, we wanted a kitchen, we but the other things, you need these industrial things. You need high ceilings, no basements, access to loading docks, um, big power, right. which you can't find in the middle of a residential neighbor. Yeah. So we have a thousand amp circuit coming into our building. Your house is probably 100 or 150 um you know close enough to big main street so you don't have to like drive down an alley to right. get you know just like <laughs> access to big water and sewers that are there um yeah oh and zoning Zoning's a big thing too so this property is zoned unrestricted mm. which means we didn't which means we could put a manufacturer here which okay. is what we're licensed as because you have to manufacture beer um, right so you know we're opening a second location up on delmar right. this distillery we on tomorrow i have to go before a board downtown to ask them to amend the zoning for the mm. property it's zoned commercial right now yeah so we Let's couldn't put a talk manufacturer about that expansion. in there
0: <laughs> um almost just blanked on that really because we were talking about so many other fun things but yeah, you guys are kind of being part of this incredible expansion that's happening on Del Mar, this maker's market situation. Talk to us about that and what people can expect.
1: Sure. Um, there's an old car wash, old auto repair shop on Del Mar. It's about, I don't know, 8,000 square feet. We're taking over a quarter of it mm-hmm. along with two other food partners. And then there's going to be a private event space on the premises too. We're putting in a distillery there focused mostly on whiskeys and fruit fruited vodkas so Mm. the fruited vodka line is called squoosh we've yeah, s-q-u-o-s-h yes we've learned that you have to make up names
0: because everything's basically taken we
1: we checked the pto office (laughs) (laughs) not taken
0: and so did you all was distilling in the back of your mind is something you were interested in or was it just sort of did you see that as sort of the next Phase of where things are I mean, about. it's the
1: next logical step. We have mm-hmm. everything to distill stuff except the still oh. here, and the the project up on Delmar actually got delayed a little bit. You know, it's always something. Something always,
2: always right something.
1: construction. Yes. If you've ever, yes. my <laughs> dad's a contractor, so there like I've lived through a thousand. We can't get that component in type delays. Right. Uh, so you know just. Delayed six months, no big deal. But I ordered the still anyways, and it's on its way. It'll be up here in July. Where'd you find it? Uh, It's actually from a place in Southern Missouri called Quality Distilling Equipment.
0: Okay, gotcha, Gotcha.
1: (laughs) Because why not? Um, It will be here. So one of the first products we're going to put out, well, and I guess I'll backtrack. So I knew this distilling thing was coming up sooner or later. There's a building right next to our brewery building that's identical 10,000 square foot building. Mm -hmm. Some guy from Colorado bought it. like... The March of pandemic or something okay and he has done nothing with it in three years I've talked to him a dozen times just sell me this building so I can put a distillery in here please and he's always well you know you know I don't know like come on he doesn't ever say no and he doesn't even say he's not even a jerk and says fine eight million dollars or right. something he just doesn't even care he doesn't care oh. enough to, to even talk about selling it so I started working with a distillery in Virginia that I got turned on to by this uh, still making company uh, in Southern Missouri. Mm-hmm. This company has the exact same still we ordered. Uh, so we started contract distilling with them a couple of years ago okay. to lay down barrels for us. You know, we know. Because that's
0: important. Right. If you're going to have a distillery, right. it, it's not something that can start... If you start tomorrow, right. you can't sell your product for a while. Right,
1: right. And the youngest bourbon or whiskey you can put out is two years old. Right. The youngest bourbon you can put out is two. The youngest whiskey you can put out is one day. Mm-hmm. If you put it in a barrel overnight, and you can call it whiskey. It won't taste very good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the so um, the two products that people usually put out pretty quick, either rums, are rums, vodkas, or gins. Mm-hmm. I'm not a particular fan of gin. I don't know. It's what? not
2: your
0: not, not your-
1: my thing. But I saw a big opening in this fruited vodka. Uh, Lane in St. Louis. And you no...
0: mentioned you love fruited things. Sure. So. I mean, we have a lot of
1: experience with it yeah. at the brewery, considering a lot of our stuff's already fruited beers. Mm-hmm. Why not have a fruity Light of vodka? Plus, plus, they look cool. The raspberry one looks purple. The lime mm. one's green because we use real fruit juice in our stuff.
0: And so you. when did you come across that this there was going to be this opportunity on Del Mar? Did, it, did someone come to you? Did you see the space? How did... Had you been looking to expand? Uh, and... I don't
1: know. You always keep your ear to the ground. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Emails are always coming in all the time. Mm. Everyone who's building a building needs tenants. So, right. You know, we have real estate friends. Hey, you, you know, did you check this out or whatever? Um, it just kind of, I don't know, fell in my lap. And I was like, hmm. I when I was in high school, instead of getting in trouble, my parents made me go blow glass at third degree.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad punishment. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll essentially be right across... It's across the street or next to it? Next or behind to it. it. Okay, yeah. Next to it, yeah. Got it. All right. And so, yeah, what, it, I mean, so that's sort I'm of like, a hmm. full circle kind of moment right. of like. Cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 I was just like, let's go talk to them, see what right. they have to say. And they're like, we want to do the super, super cool thing. And I'm like, super cool.
0: Love it. So what is the latest sort of timeline?
1: Sure. I met with them yesterday, actually. Um, or... I keep saying um, and I. it's, like... it's so annoying. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's not super noticeable. <laughs> My wife, her undergrad was marketing. She's going to know. So she's always like, (laughs) Uh, uh, yes. uh, uh, Considering uh, how it seems to be happening.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) so you met yesterday.
1: I met with the architects and the uh, project supervisor, owner, owner of the building. Mm -hmm. He, uh, they're finishing up the finishing touches on it. It's going to be, more or less kind of the same concept it was here so our whole our whole building here is black and white something mm-hmm. black and white steel copper stainless steel stuff like that so i think that's probably pretty much what we're going to be doing nice. there as well like iron and finishings looks nice chic it's it'll be so like brewery isn't expected to be classy if you will <laughs> Maybe. but you know this is like spirits and stuff right, we're expecting right. more of a late night crowd for cocktails and those okay. sort of things which we just don't do here so it'll probably more, be more curtailed to that sort of crowd. Nice. I don't know. I think we'll just so have to see So when do you hope to, to uh, welcome bye. customers? Uh, uh, I'm hoping to have that vodka line out by end of July, early August. Nice. And we have the sales guys already here. We have the delivery guy already okay. ready to go. I actually think it'll be really great for us. It'll be opening new bars and restaurants that are looking for spirits. Especially because it's got an arch on it. It's made locally. And right. Also, we already have relationships with like 300 bars and restaurants in town. Right. Anyways, plus grocery stores and all sorts of other things, which will help so us expand our go. footprint all over the place.
0: That's exciting.
1: And in the meantime, we're we the still's on its way. It's going to be hooked up to our steam system. In, we have a steam system in the brewery that okay. runs all of our stuff in there. All the hot side stuff. Mm-hmm. So we can just plug it in the steam machine. This makes it sound real easy, right? <laughs> just plug it in. Ten grand worth of <laughs> piping, <laughs> no big deal. Plug it in. Um, we sending one of our brewery staff to distiller school. He goes in June. Mm. So that's in Chicago. He's up there for a couple of weeks doing that.
2: Which that's I awesome. wish I could
1: go do that, but I got to stay here and run the sh- be the <laughs> captain the of the ship. <laughs> so he'll come back, and uh, yeah, then we'll get to work. You know, doing the good work of turning beer into whiskey. That's awesome. Yeah, so we'll be laying down our old barrels here too. Okay. Well before that place is open. To answer your question, we're hoping to be open in March over there.
0: March of next year. Yeah. Twenty twenty. What year are we in? We're in twenty three, yeah. twenty four. Okay, yeah. got it. So it's still got some time. Yeah, I mean
1: the property owner thinks that his name's Doug. Doug thinks that uh, we would probably be like ready to open maybe in November, but he doesn't. Carrie just wants to open at a good time. Sure. So is it smart to open in November? I don't know.
0: It yeah. It could be. I mean, maybe I'm in a hurry.
1: I want to open. You want to open? All right. Why but not? But that's
0: exciting that you can still kind of lay that groundwork even ahead of the opening to then when it is open, sure. you're like, oh, people are kind of already familiar with what we're doing, what right. we're distilling. Right, right. That's exciting. Plus, we
1: get to test all the stuff out ahead of time, make sure it's like really good. Right, right.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And again, distilling is, is sort of that next sort of step sure. of, of the brewing process. I mean,
1: every distillery you know must brew beer first. Just usually the beer they brew is not for drinking. Mm -hmm. It tastes terrible. You run it through the still and it tastes great. Right. So, you know, and like distilled spirits usually use, you'd say like less expensive, more commodity type grains. Okay. Like more corn. We don't use a lot of corn in the brewing process. We use it in one lager a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really thins out the product. There's 100 reasons we could talk about that, too. (laughs) But you can use it in distilled spirits because it's more inexpensive, Mm. which lowers the cost of your spirit.
0: And so there's a lot on the horizon for you
1: guys. (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot going on.
0: To celebrate the 10th anniversary, the team at Alpha just released their Raspberry Sour Blonde Ale. We'll have to wait and see what comes next. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet you back here next week.